There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I'm for the faster, baby. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and we've got Chris and Peaches here to talk even more Secret Invasion. Secret. Do you ever do you ever see those TikTok videos of, the, I don't know what show this is. It's like Dr. Chris Brown, and there's a woman on the show, too, like Julia Morris, and every time she comes out and introduces herself, she says something completely ridiculous. Like, um, I can't even think of anything in the moment now. But he's like, "I'm Dr. Chris Brown," and she'll be like, "And I'm the uh, the life model decoy of Julia Morris." Like, she'll say something stupid like that. So you said Chris Brown, and I was like, "This doesn't sound good." No, Dr. Chris Brown. <laughs> okay, well. not not Chris Brown, Doctor. Not Chris, Chris Breezy. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Chris Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the only doctor stuff I get on TikTok is the good doctor. I get, <laughs> oh, I, I get clips of the good doctor constantly. That same scene every no, time? No, I get all the different ones, but I know exactly which one. <laughs> yeah. I am a surgeon. I am a surgeon. <laughs> I feel weird joking about there that. There was one where somebody spliced it and said, I am a sturgeon. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought you were exclusively referring to because I've probably seen eight or nine of different yeah. voice splices of that scene. Yeah. No, I see lots of different scenes of the good place or not the good place, uh, the good doctor. Yeah, I've seen every scene of the good place. Same. Same. My God, I just finished a rewatch. Not yeah, this last week, but the week before. My yeah. God, so good. How long did you cry? Oh man, it was a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Um. Okay. Well. <laughs> Talk about a different TV show now. Good news. Good news. Good everyone. news, everyone. We got hey, a- Futurama's back in a few days. We got another email. Hey, yeah, boy. This comes to us from patron Gianfranco, also known as I Am Groot. I Am Groot. I Am Groot. He says, hey, Eduardo Peaches and Soundlord, I've been meaning to write you guys for some time now. I found Assembly Required around the time She-Hulk was coming out, and I binged the hell out of all your episodes. Luckily, my job allows me to listen to a ton of podcasts while I work. As I was listening to each episode, I felt like writing in every time because of how much of a great time I had. Once you guys started talking about your personal lives, I realized that you guys are my age. Then you guys started talking about theme parks, and I was pretty invested because I've been working at a theme park for 10 years. The icing on the cake is that you guys said you live not only in Florida, but Orlando. Way to dox us, man. That's wild. <laughs> we've, we've tried to hide that. <laughs> we haven't done a good job. That's true. <laughs> no one knows your name. No one knows where we live. Yeah, exactly. we've, we've done a great job of hiding all of that. <laughs> a peach has no name. <laughs> I've been living here for the last 20 years, and everything you guys talk about is so relatable from music to video games. Don't mean to sound corny, but I feel like you guys could easily be my friends. It's you know corn. what? We are your friends. That's right. You even have the same humor I do with my close friends. Anyways, I just wanted to thank you guys for having this podcast that I look forward to every single week, and I'm glad you guys are back sans Robbie. Look. <laughs> the Rob- way, I, I, the I, I, I choose rip. to believe that you mean that you're gl- glad we are back, even if it is sans Robbie, <laughs> not thank God Robbie's gone. That's how I... The way you said it, that's how I interpreted I just, it in my head. Look, man, I just read what was on the Get page. Get fucked, right? Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, this wasn't my first MCU podcast, but it's definitely my favorite, and it's the only one I listen to now. I absolutely love your debates and your different points of view on each film. I'm looking at you, Spider-Man Homecoming episode. I love that you guys aren't blind stands and can crap on the things that deserve to be crapped on. Anyways, this is a lengthy email, but with my last thought, I'd like to say something to each of you. Soundlord, as soon as you mentioned Letterboxd on the Secret Evasion episode, I knew we'd get along. I have the Regal Unlimited Pass and recently got into Letterboxd, and I am obsessed. Add me, and he has his little screen name there, which is I underscore am underscore Groot underscore 91. Everyone follow him. Also, very important, please listen to the Filmcast podcast. It's perfect for you. You won't regret it. I've listened to the Filmcast before. Uh, Jeff Kanata is on there. Mm-hmm. Jeff Kanata, uh, he has another- I don't know what's Kanata with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Kanata has another podcast called DLC, which I've listened to for years, and it was one of the podcasts that I based off like my podcasting style. Like I, mm. as a host, base the way that I talk and the way that I do a lot of my introductions and stuff off of Jeff. Kanata. Oh, you show me one of his video game episodes once. Yeah, so um, he starts off his episode like um, to talk about games in their many forms, and then I was <laughs> like, the first time we did Squad Up, I was like, we're going to talk about games. Games of all kinds. (laughs) (laughs) The inspo. Yeah, man. Peaches, in regards to your reverse recommendation request, from what I've gathered listening to you guys, we share a similar taste in music. I go to concerts all the time, and I would suggest following the social... I agree. The Beecham, I agree. And House of Blues on the socials. Oh, like on Instas? Yeah. If you Say remember, those again. Uh, the Social, The Beecham, and House of Blues. The Social. Oh, my, my Instagram's doing that thing where it's just taking from. The I'm, Social and The Beecham are like classic Orlando band viewing establishments. It's not where you're going to go see the biggest bands, but okay. it is where you're going to go see, like, I saw Bayside and Say Anything at the Beecham. Ooh. I saw Go Radio at the Social. Like, the Social is a very small venue. Okay. Uh, but that's where you're going to see a lot of these bands that aren't making it to House of Blues and are not making it to Hard Rock in these bigger venues. The Social nightclub slash bar slash live venue. Yes. Okay. And it's very small, but they, it's a great place, to, especially if there's like a band you really like. Seeing it at the Social is a much more intimate way to see them. I think... I I would really highly recommend it. And the other one's Beecham. The Beecham, B E A C H A M, like Beecham. Beecham. Uh, sorry, I'm like literally do. I could do this later, but I'm doing it now. The Beecham Orlando. Yeah. Dance and nightclub. They also do shows there. Okay. The Beecham reminds me of that. That viral video of the girl singing Miss New Booty, who's doing it for all her friends on Stick Am. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Booty, booty, about booty, that. booty, rocking in a well. Rocking in a well. Rocking in I a well. I found you, Miss Moogoo. <laughs> <laughs> Have you never seen that? No. It's oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, he says, however, I recently left social media, so it's tougher for me, but I use the app Bands in Town. You choose bands you like, and the app gives you nearby events as well as recommendations for similar bands. P.S. Check out the bands Crown the Empire, Falling in Reverse, and I Prevail. I know. I have heard all of those. I know I Prevail. They have a, they do, they've done some sick covers. They have a Blank Space cover, Taylor Swift's Blank Space, mm-hmm. and it's really good. Thanks for the reverse recommendation, though. I've already followed two of those. I need to follow House of Blues. It's funny that I don't follow them because I've been to a House of Blues show. I saw. Um, I said what I saw there. I, yeah, saw, yeah, I saw a spirit box there. Well, and if you remember, when we saw Paramore, mm-hmm. Paramore talked about how years ago they began their career here in Orlando and they would play shows 
at the back room of the social. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did and say that. That, that. that it like cut deep to me because I was like, "Holy shit!" They were like, "They she knows what she's talking about." Yeah, like, yeah. The social there was probably like fifty people. She's in there. not making that shit up. Yeah, no, no for real. Haley, like, I love you. <laughs> I said it first. All right, man. <laughs> uh, and finally, to Eduardo, this isn't so much a recommendation as it is a praise for you not being afraid to be the odd man out at times in your reviews. Often, I find myself agreeing... It's funny because <laughs> it sounds like I could fit with either sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Often, I find myself agreeing with the other guys. You come into the hottest take, and I think there's no way that take lands until you explain your reasoning and give very thoughtful and articulate responses on the fly. I admire that. P.S. I, too, enjoy the Incredible Hulk. Get fucked, idiots. You fucking nerds. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> There are dozens of us. <laughs> there are tens of us. I, I think it's fine. <laughs> Hell yeah, Chris. Get over here. The water's fine. <laughs> Just like the movie. It's pretty okay. Uh, for the record, by the way, Robbie is still a beloved and important part of the assembly or yeah. family he's just busy as hell yeah, yeah i'm sorry sure. for i when i yeah. said fuck you robbie earlier it was a joke yeah no <laughs> robbie still is uh, a part of the show and when he's able to he comes on and you know and he uh, is a co-host he is a co-host uh all right i see what you did there <laughs> i don't know the logistics of it i'm sorry uh but thank you jen franco for sending us the email we really appreciate it. We appreciate you, and we look forward to uh, maybe we'll like see you somewhere out here in Orlando, Florida. It's, you know, I wonder if we have. That'd be crazy, right? It wouldn't be that out of the question. Yeah. If if theme park well, employee for 10 years. I'm going to read every name tag so closely next well, time I go to any park. And like theme park employees go to the same places. They do. Oh, they, yeah. We were talking... <laughs> I'm going to bring up the coffee shop today and the the girl that said hello and yes. we both looked up and he's like that's just how Orlando theme park people talk. That's yeah. how they say hello. She I'm said like, hello and I was like, like you're right. That's a weird way to say hello, but it perked me up and I thought she was talking to me. And I was like wait, that's just like something people here in Orlando do. Like that's just yeah. like a thing here. Uh-huh. Yep. We're so used to it. Yeah. Got to put on that that smile. Yeah, for sure. I would also like to mention for those of us, for those of you listening, it sounds like you're already listening podcast form, uh, but Assembly Required an MC Retrospective is now on YouTube, youtube.com slash assemblycast. Uh, you can listen to all the episodes there. There's no video, uh, but if you need another way to listen to the episodes, they're there for you. Our podcasting thing automatically uploads it for us. So it wasn't any work for us, but if you, if it's like an extra avenue for you to listen, that's cool. Well, while you work with that, today we're going to talk about episode four of Secret Invasion, Beloved, written by hey. Brian Tucker and directed by Ali Salim. First things first, Gaia I'm is the realist. not actually dead. Yeah. Oh, we called that. Secret, we did. Riley called it in the Assembly Required Discord. I think everyone kind Literally of everybody called it. Because it was just like, there's no way you're getting Amelia Clark in here and shooting her in the third episode and being like, that's it. No yeah. more Amelia Clark. Yeah, they did the really tiny, tiny version of the thing that I suggested of having a whole episode of what was she doing. Right. Yeah, we can show you that in 70 seconds. So similar to our, our complaints about this hypothetically happening this week, uh, I saw Polygon.com put out a... Uh, an editorial inspired by this saying that the TV cliffhanger is a lost art form. (laughs) 
because nobody knows how to do a good cliffhanger anymore because usually it just gets resolved like within five seconds in a not super interesting way. <laughs> I wanted to bring up this tweet uh, because I think it's relevant before we continue on. Did you know that Marvel's Secret Invasion had a budget of $212 million? I saw that. I don't under... Like, I understand that 212, $212 million is a lot of money, mm-hmm. but I don't understand how that's relative to a tv show to a six episode tv show yeah that's insane (laughs) what's like can you give me something for comparison let's Uh, take a look here well and like we're not talking about like obviously something and you can say like hold on let's take a look here first of all 212 million per episode means over six episodes that's like about 35 like like well, it's not not per episode. It's like for the whole thing, it was two hundred twelve. Well, sure, but if you divide it by six, oh yeah, right. It's like thirty five million per episode. Yeah, like uh, there is a sci fi show on Apple Plus right now that I wouldn't say has the same, uh, like production value. Um, it's called The Foundation, and it's just like another sci fi show. That show has a budget of forty million dollars. Okay. And okay. So, so this is about thirty six million per episode. Uh Game of the math. Yeah, Game of Thrones was <laughs> about six million per episode. Oh. Um, wow. After the first five seasons it jumped to ten million per episode for season six and seven, with the final season costing fifteen million per episode. So each episode is over twice as expensive as an episode of Game of Thrones. That's, uh, according to this. That's really crazy. I feel like I'm not getting a Game of Thrones level experience. Yeah. Um, the first season of House of the Dragon had a $200 million budget. The first episode? First season. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, $30 million per episode for Stranger Things Season 4. So that's like crazy expensive. So these are all expensive ones. and Those are all thi- things you just listed, though, are things that were very good. Yeah. The Big Bang Theory, ten million per episode. Never mind. You now, granted, a <laughs> you lot of listing good things. Now, the re- the reason for that though is that ev- like a lot of the main cast was getting a million dollars an episode. So, wow. Same thing with Friends. You know, they all got a million. They were like the first. I think they were like the first cast to like all get a million dollars. Like by the final season of Friends. One million per episode. That's crazy. Yeah, and so if you think about this costing about 35 million per episode mm-hmm. do you guys think that that budget shows in what we're watching no i think it maybe shows in that they were able to get samuel L. jackson on it so i don't know yeah how much of Although, that 35 is samuel L. jackson did was on a few episodes of agents of shield as well and that was certainly much cheaper than this For that sure. was a long time ago at this point though. yeah like he's got the entire like he's not been in everything but he's got a lot of the mcu on his resume now Mm -hmm. to say like yeah you want me for this show as well as the rest of samuel l jackson career no i know but like (laughs) you think about (laughs) you think about it (laughs) i can't tell what you're thinking right now (laughs) we interrupt this program for a brief mild Miles intermission. Now, this uh, article I'm looking at has listed a bunch of other MCU shows. Falcon the Winter Soldier was 25 million per episode. WandaVision was 25 million per episode. 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier at twenty five million an episode. Yeah, WandaVision at least like you kind of know where a lot of that went because Vision was such a like Vision a lot of effects. There there was a lot going on there at least. Mandalorian is fifteen per episode. I don't know. It's hard to say because until this moment, I didn't really know what. I guess now knowing that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was $25 million an episode, sure, this sounds great. Okay, well, this is $10 million more. Here's, here's <laughs> another comparison. I know. $11.2 million per episode for The Boys, season one. Okay. Sure. I, th- I think a good... The reason I bring this up is because while I think some of the acting has been good, I think this show, we talked about this before, but I'll talk about it now, will end up not being successful at the end. Like there are parts that I like, there are episodes that I like, but I think as a whole, I don't know if this ep- this show is going to stick the landing. Um, and for 200 and some odd million dollars for this show, to me, that seems like a failure. I would also add, does this need to, sh- does this show need to cost as much as it does? And if, it's just like a prime example of why the writers are striking, mm-hmm. right? The show cost $212 million to make. How much of that money went to the writers? Not much. Probably not a lot, yeah. And I don't know if you all saw this, but uh, Corey Ziegler, who's written a bunch of stuff, um, he's actually writing the current Miles Morales comic, uh, but he wrote the Daredevil episode of She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put out there what his residuals were for that episode. And it was $396, yeah. which that is insanely small. For writing the whole episode? Well, that was, that was his residuals for it. Now, okay. granted, he, you know, he got paid his writer's salary or whatever. But writers, actors, performers, all these people, they rely on residuals for when the shows get replayed. And it used to be, uh, I looked this up, and I don't want to get too into the weeds on the numbers and everything because I, I'll get them wrong. But, for example, under the WGA's uh, most recent contract, there is like a base for like a one hour long TV show on network TV, like the base, like the lowest number that they could start off with for calculating residuals was like $25,000. Let's say it that it's that. So on the first rerun, the residuals should be 50% of that. The second through fourth reruns, it's a smaller percentage of that and so on and so on and so on, uh, which is how, you know, it used to be a show would go into syndication, run for years, and the writers and actors are getting residuals from that every time it airs. I mean, think of like, you know, at night you turn on the TV, Friends or Frasier or The Simpsons is always on on some channel. So the people who wrote those shows and act in those shows are still getting paid for it because someone is still making money off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the daredevil episode of she-hulk which he said is one of the most watched tv episodes on disney plus and he got 396 dollars in residuals and that's absurd <laughs> here's a weird comparison i think the music industry is headed in a similar direction because of music streaming and stuff but i think take taylor swift for example who is in the process of re-releasing every single album she has ever done because she was not able to get her masters so now instead she's just re-recording every song and doing them her own and that is how she's going to get the rights for her music anyway and so i feel like there it has come a time where it used to be that the 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 publications the publishers and the distributors had sort of the power in the 
the the landscape of things and that was sort of not fixed on cable tv but it was more evenly distributed whereas when sh- the streaming wars happened it became sort of this this wild west of wiki wiki you know how we are supposed to ethically add these programs mm-hmm. to all of these different streaming services and you know just because you own the publishing rights to something that doesn't sort of give you overlord autonomy on it to reap any benefit only for yourself yeah and let me ask the question how does a streaming service become profitable if they're spending over 200 million dollars for every original tv show they put on there every original movie they put on there how do you even calculate your return on the investment there um they're every studio head is like oh we'll be profitable by 2024 or 2026 or whatever and that's a lie. There's no way. There is no way that streaming can be a profitable model for a studio. And this is why the studios are digging their heels in and saying, well, the only way we can be profitable is if we don't actually pay these people who are making our stuff. Um, the, the, only thing, the only thing they like about streaming is that they save money on residuals. Uh, like Willow. All right. So the Willow TV show came out. Not when a lot of people watched it. In case it. you didn't listen to the last... <laughs> Our last week's episode, that's not Star Wars. It's not okay, Star Wars. It's, it's confirmed. Yeah. What dummy would think that? It's not. And and I'm sorry if I said this last <laughs> week. I know I'm prone to repeating myself all the time. But they... Are you prone to repeating yourself? All the time. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, so, Willow, it came out less than a year ago. And it is no longer on Disney+. Plus. Oh, you! I don't think you said that. Yeah, it got it got pulled in the last purge of content from Disney Plus. Oh, content! I hate that word so much. Um, but now, the people who wrote it and worked on it, no residuals because there's not any way to see it. They're not selling Blu-rays of Willow why, the TV series. Why would they pull it? Because I think I think their logic is probably well. Not a lot of people watched it. Anybody who wanted to watch a Willow sequel TV series has already watched it. Let's take it off so we don't have to pay anybody residuals. It's all cheap. It's the same thing as them ta- uh, canning Batgirl for a tax write-off. Uh, it's, hey, uh, it's all the same. Where can you watch Westworld right now? Tubi. Wait, <laughs> I think. Wait, right. I think I, I think I maybe saw this in our group chat. Did they take Westworld off of HBO? They did. The, sh- the HBO show. Yes. Yeah. The whole thing? Shortly yeah. after the final season aired, they took it off what? and they licensed it to one of the freemium ones where you, uh, one of the ad supported uh, free streaming stations because the money in streaming comes for the studios comes from charging Netflix $200 million for the rights to show your stuff. Having your own stuff, the, the executives got it in their heads that, oh, uh, you know, it, it, they call it direct to consumer. They're eliminating the middlemen. They don't have to share money with uh, TV networks. They don't have to share money with other streamers. They don't have to share money with movie theaters. None of that. It's all the money goes right to them. They loved that idea. But I'm sorry. There is no way you will ever get enough people subscribing to your uh, to your services to prove that you are making a profit when you have to put out all this original stuff that you're spending just as much as you would on a movie. Uh, Evil Dead Rise. I'm going to use that again. I'm sorry if I brought this one up before. That was originally going to be an HBO Max original. 
That scared the shit out I of me. I thought it was Raph at You first. said Evil Dead Rise, so my head's just a little bit in a spooky place. And then this motherfucker starts chewing on a chew toy and right in my ear. <laughs> like, hi, buddy. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So Evil Dead Rise uh, was originally scheduled to go uh, directly to HBO Max. And there is a dog behind me now. Hello he's there. Trying to get around you. He's, he's like army crawling through Don't the couch. The Don't bite the box. What's in the box? So a couple of facts about Evil Dead Rise. It had a budget of somewhere from 15 to 19 million dollars. Relatively low budget for a movie. 15 and to 19 million? Yeah. For that whole movie? Yeah. So relatively low budget. Um, and a horror movie, so I guess that kind of tracks. Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons that horror movies are u- usually great for studios because they end up they're cheap and they usually at least make back their budget. So this this nearly twenty million dollar movie was going to go straight to HBO Max, and I don't know again how you're supposed to determine oh the number of subscribers we got justified the cost of that. Well, they decided to hold it and release it in theaters. It made. Over $146 million in theaters. That's money they never would have gotten if they had just put it on streaming. I'm sorry, theatrical? That makes more sense to make money. Uh, Getting the licensing fees from other streamers, other networks, that is how you make your money. I, I don't think there is any way... Streaming is not sustainable, and I don't know how you put the uh, genie back in the bottle because everyone is now used to being able to have on demand whatever they want. You decide that people can't share their account and they have to download it on their own if they want to watch it, and then not enough people say, fuck you, Netflix, I'm not going to pay for your stupid scheme. Yeah. And they have record highs in subscribers. Yeah. But again, uh, the my issue with streaming has always been the impermanence of it. You are at the whims of the programmers. Yeah. And if you like a movie, you can't take for granted that it's going to be there. And I've had people argue with me before saying, well, yeah, but just because you buy a DVD doesn't mean you have it forever. It might break. Your DVD player might break. That's completely different, though. That is not the same. That's more about your diligence and keeping, yeah. taking good care of your product rather than somebody deciding that yeah. you aren't allowed to use your DVD anymore. Yeah, that would be like... That would be like if Disney could say, I'm sorry, um, you didn't pay your licensing fee, so we are going to send a signal to your Blu-ray player. It will not play any Disney Blu-rays anymore. <laughs> it's going to jam. Yeah. It's going to jam Big Hero 6. Your yeah. Blu-ray player will self-destruct. <laughs> yeah. Two, one. I mean, we've talked about that in video games, too. Yeah. In the other podcast about hard video media pres- versus I actually, digital. I actually fa- I was watching a really interesting video about video game preservation earlier today and about how the percentage of video games that you can actually get like retro from past consoles is in like single low single digit percent. It's depressingly yeah. small. Um, well, probably because A, they stopped making it and a lot of collectors have been slowly over the years scooping stuff up. Well, and... It is more so like companies that, you know, like the Wii U store closed not too long ago mm-hmm. and there were tons of games where digitally that was the only place they were available. I think the, the mm. example they used was Mario Pinball and how yeah. now Mario, the only place. Mario had pinball? The only place you can get Mario Pinball now is if you have to go out and buy a cartridge. Yeah, if it's you can only, find it. If you can find a cartridge, huh. it's the only way you could play that game. Yeah. And so for like, for historians and for like, 
purposes like that, video games are heading in like a direction where it's it's like it's like not great. And it, to your point, Chris, about streaming and comparing this to video games, you know, we've, we're, we've they've been going on for what feels like a millennia at this point about this damn Microsoft Activision Blizzard. Oh merger. yeah. Ugh. And I have this big problem with Microsoft when it comes to this whole thing because people, just because the Xbox is like third console, they treat Microsoft like they're some like mom and pop, like, oh, they're the underdog. Yeah. Let me tell you one (laughs) thing. The multi-trillion dollar corporation Microsoft is never the underdog. Just because they are bad at making video games and getting people to buy their consoles does yeah. not make them the underdog. They almost got broken up by the government for monopolistic practices before. And they now- excel at a lot of other stuff. <laughs> Word. I was going to do that. <laughs> Damn it. If I had one note for you, I would say... Yeah, I was going to do that I'd say next. be quicker. Uh, Fucker. I'm sorry. That looks not good for you. <laughs> yeah. You just got to access a little bit of the back of your mind when you're thinking of these. Uh, you know? Your your windows of opportunity have closed. <laughs> We're moving on. It's a pretty good PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> box was here <laughs> <laughs> um well and the reason i say this is that microsoft has a a streaming service called xbox game pass mm-hmm. and it is widely known that microsoft has been taking a loss on xbox game pass for a number of years mm-hmm. to get subscribers it's exactly the same thing netflix did for years and years and years and i think that is detrimental to the video game industry i think Video game streaming is detrimental to the video game industry. I think you should pay a fair price for your video game. Yeah. I think, like, video games have gone up $10, like, this generation. They went up from $60 to $70. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a lot for a lot of people, but video games had been $60 for the past 20 years. And inflation, like, if you look at what, a, like, a Super Nintendo game costs, those used to cost $60, and it's, like, $150 yes. now or something like that. Who? Who does the patch notes on the universe? Because what we need to do is, so I don't remember what expansion it was. I think it was uh, Cataclysm, Mm -hmm. where you got to like level 120 and wow. And then the expansion after that, they were like, 130 seems like a lot. So what we're going to do is we're going to squish everything down and go. Now 60 is the new max. And uh, all of these things that were in the damage numbers that you did, the gold that things cost, everything is going to be way lower. And we're going to start from that threshold instead. How do we get that in real life? How do we get the like billionaires to squish back down? We put five of them in a submarine. Um, we <laughs> Damn. How do we? <laughs> that's the second time. On this, Jesus. on this series that we haven't even really started talking about today, that I've it's made the second time that you've been sitting <laughs> in that spot. Uh, anyway, we need a squish of stuff in real life. We're gonna roll the patch notes back and say, okay, there's no more streaming anymore. Just uh, Netflix will go back to the 1.0 version where they send you DVDs. Yeah. Bro, let me tell you something. When Netflix used to do DVDs, I fucking loved it. Yeah, I used to get DVDs from them all the time. Technically, I would get DVDs from Blockbuster because I was part of Blockbuster's. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. they had their mail. they had their own Netflix type thing. Yeah. Um, did you know the follow Blockbuster had almost nothing to do with Netflix? I watched a whole documentary about it. On it Netflix? had to do with its own <laughs> on Netflix. Yes, yeah. 
It had to do with its <laughs> its its own like bad practices of doing yeah. other things. And, yeah, like, there are a lot of things. While, Net- while Netflix was a factor, it wasn't like the main factor. It wasn't the factor. Yeah, Blockbuster could have done things to survive. Yeah, and they did not. Mm. Right. Yeah, we need to have like WoW has WoW and WoW Classic. We need like a universe classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think to go back to you know before. We were spewing CO2 into the air all the time. I don't know. Speaking of Netflix, uh, some of the stuff that's been coming out with the actors now on strike, uh, a lot of the cast of Orange is the New Black have been coming forward about yeah. their pay oh, and stuff. I was going to say this yeah, earlier. Because that, that was like one of their first big, big hits on Netflix yeah. of, of original programming. And a lot of them, they're getting famous and they're still working in their bartender jobs. One of them sh- shared her residuals, and they were like $27. Yeah, I saw that exact TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, just for the, before we get to on, on to things, just uh, a fun fact about the uh, the SAG after strike, if, uh, if you have been following this. You know, a lot of people, when, you know, actors go on strike or athletes or whoever it might be, they're always like, oh, these millionaires just want more money. Here's here's the truth. There are 160,000 people in SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Guild. To maintain your health insurance, you have to make at least $26,000 a year. A lot of that, for a lot of people, comes through residuals. 87% of SAG does not hit the $26,000 threshold every year. Wow. That's That's, crazy. that's why they're on strike. Um, not to mention the whole... I don't know if you want to talk about the background actors getting scanned. Yeah, that's that's what you have to br- to bring up next about that because it's not like every single actor that acts is making Samuel L. Jackson money. Exactly. Most not not all of them are making the amount of money you expect that they're making, and this extra thing is especially egregious because what they want to do and correct me if I'm wrong on this, they want to scan an extra's face and then pay them for the one time that it takes to do that. And then use that actor's scan in the rest of forever. Yeah, they as would an extra. own that likeness in perpetuity, and they'd be able to use them as digital extras. Y'all, those of without you that have watched, to pay them. those of you that have watched the Joan is awful episode of Black Mirror, your thoughts on that one changing? Do you like it better now? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it futuristic enough for you? And yeah, now it's a kind of old fashioned because <laughs> yeah. they are already doing this. Yeah. Um, someone who Just was a background actor people. on Corella was talking about yeah, that. That's true. Dude, I said a submarine thing earlier. You you got like, you've got a wide range of things you can say. I meant like dead people is like, like no, I know all the dead actors. They've been well, oh, but yeah. the face you made was like, hee hee. I shouldn't have said that. No, you're right. You should say that. <laughs> I saw. Okay, now I haven't seen the Flash. Broadly speaking, I'm going to say apparently they use CGI and stuff to bring back some dead actors. Yeah, they did well, they, on the Flash. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know oh. what they could have done? They could have used footage from those movies. I but, agree. You know, that and probably would have looked better. Yeah. And, well, they probably would have had to pay, you know, the, those estates of those people. You don't want to do that. It's, uh it gets me so. I am going to be such I a am, good guillotine operator, you I guys. Am, I am so heated about this, this, this strike with um, SAG and, and the WGA. 
and UPS coming up soon. I don't know if you've heard about that one. I saw that yep. one, yeah. That one, if it happens, that one is going to be disruptive. If the UPS strike is uh, happens the way we think it's going to happen, we're all fucked. Yeah, it's going to, like, that one will actually disrupt... Is that going to trickle in? Is that going to trickle into the other delivery services too? For sure, they're only going to be able to take up about twenty percent of UPS's slack. Yeah. Um, well, I don't even mean like that. I wasn't even thinking about it from a "we'll take your shipments" perspective. I was thinking about it from a "are we going to strike in solidarity?" With well, them? they can't. There, there are rules against striking in solidarity with another strike. Listen, though, but, um, I have a thing to say about that. When you're striking because people are doing unfair things at your job, yes, technically you're protected by doing a strike, but it kind of goes, what are they going to do? Fire everyone in FedEx if FedEx decides we're going to strike at the same time? Like, what are they going to do? Sure, but what is FedEx striking for? To say, if, yeah, pay them more and pay us more too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but like, I don't know. I haven't looked into they it. They won't I'm, be able to do that until their next contract negotiation. And you wouldn't yeah. want to do that until your next contract negotiation. That's just good bargaining. Okay. Yeah, uh, you don't want to lose all your leverage. Yeah. Got it. But here's what's going to be interesting. That you're fighting for, you know? I think and I hope that UPS blinks and gives in either before there's a strike or very early in a strike so that one because that one like i said will actually be extremely disruptive to just the economy in general and we will all feel that and that sucks but i'm always going to be on the side of the workers (laughs) i'm very predictable in that sense but one thing to watch with this ups one is that if they're successful because it's the teamsters they are trying to unionize a lot of the Amazon fulfillment centers and stuff. And if they can get UPS to break, then that's going to be big because that's going to give them a lot of leverage as they start unionizing at Amazon. Mm. And, um, you know, their working practices certainly aren't great, as we all know. I'd love for Amazon to just be you know, bombarded, writer strike, actor strike, fulfillment center strike, just everybody just pile on amazon happy prime day bitch (laughs) yeah i don't know if anybody got a sense of where our position is on this but we support all of the studios yeah yeah i don't think you were harsh enough bob we want to guillotine all the workers actually it's gonna take a while yeah obviously we support the the unions and if there comes a time where they ask us to like boycott streaming services and stuff we will not talk about marvel until yeah we'll we'll find something else to talk about yeah, we'll, we'll there's find, always we'll stuff just have weekly <laughs> weekly food chats guys we haven't talked about this episode at all and we've been recording for 35 minutes yeah. we don't need to not talk about marvel to not talk about marvel what if i told you we've actually been recording for over an hour well a lot of it was pre-recorded that's recorded. true and, and dog stuff happens yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dog stuff. Dog stuff. TM. That's going to be our new podcast if if we end up having a boycott. <laughs> we'll just follow Miles around. Welcome to around. dog stuff. And we'll follow Miles around and just narrate. All right, so Secret Invasion episode, episode <laughs> 4 begins <laughs> with a rather artistically rendered sequence that reveals that Gaia took the Super Scroll treatment before she left New Skrullos. Oh, we Mo- did talk about that. Moments so, after yeah. being shot and left for dead by Gravik, she heals thanks to her new extremis abilities, one of many she probably has now. 
As a side note, extremist subjects in Iron Man 3 could breathe fire as well as heal. Combine that with uh, Skrull shape-shifting in the MCU may just deliver Amelia Clark transforming into a big green dragon. I think that's just Collider <laughs> adding their own little, little I flavor I like that, there. Collider. I, I choose to believe that Amelia Clark is going to end up being Fin Fang Foom. I oh want her God. to be the mother of dragons. <laughs> Remember when we thought Fin Fang Foom was going to be in Shang-Chi? Yeah. I, I still think there's a chance that Fin Fang Foom ends up in a Shang-Chi sequel. I think it should. Yeah. I feel like that would be the only place you could do Fin Fang Foom and actually... Have it not be <laughs> horribly problematic. <laughs> Can we call him like F cubed? Sure. Okay. No, you got to call him. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite Marvel villain? <laughs> <laughs> After the opening credits comes a flashback <laughs> sequence. This time to Paris in 2012, shortly after the events of the Avengers. In what's becoming a recurring motif for the show, Fury walks into a bar and meets Vara. They talk, <laughs> about, they talk about the Avengers for a bit, and Fury asks her no, about They talk the, about Les Avengers. And Fury asks her about the book she's reading. It's a collection of poems by American poet Raymond Carver, and Fury asks her to tell him her favorite. The poem in question, Late Fragment, is framed as a conversation between two people, so they read it together... It goes like this. What are you doing? I was just laying down a beat for you to read the poem to. Why like, does the poem need a beat? It's like a poetry slam. It's not that kind of a poem. It's very much not. <laughs> and when did you get what you wanted from this life? Oh, I'm sorry. And did you get what you wanted from this life? Even so, I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved. To feel myself beloved on the earth. I don't know what that means. The scene is easily the most touching moment between husband and wife so far, which makes Priscilla slash Vara's betrayal all the more painful. Cut to the present day, and Priscilla is sitting in St. James Church, where she is met by Rhodey, now confirmed to be a scroll rebel. I saw one place that said... That he's almost certainly a scroll. I'm like, yeah, almost certainly. Remember the scene where the scroll turned into Rhodey? <laughs> <laughs> also, I want everyone to know that I called him Scrody earlier, and the podcast needs to know. Scrody. Uh, she asks him about Fury getting fired, and Rhodey tells her that he fired her himself. Scrody him sex himself. Fury. Him himself. <laughs> she questions how that figures into graphics plan, but that's information she does not get. The scroll that's impersonating Rhodey orders Priscilla to kill Fury at their home in the country. Meanwhile, Fury is listening in thanks to a bug he placed on Priscilla. She tries to convince Rhodey that Fury is a broken man who they don't need to fear or kill. However, Rhodey dismisses her concerns and makes an ominous statement about what he's going to do. It's n- No, it's not. All right, Collider person, it is not an, on- uh, an ominous statement. He says... There are two of you in there. One of you is getting shot. Like, one of you will be shot. One person is getting shot in your home or something. That's uh, that's ominous. Someone's going to get shot. That's ominous. I don't know. Yeah, it could be anybody. I think anybody. it's pretty clear. It could even be a boat. She's, if you don't shoot him, we're going to shoot you. Yeah. yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. It's ominous. It's not mysterious. Yeah. I think you're thinking it should be mysterious. I'm thinking elsewhere... Pagan talks to Gravik about Guile while they are preparing for another attack, but Gravik tells him that he's already taken care of her. Right now, their concern is the strike. The plan is to attack a high... my concern, too. (laughs) (laughs) Solidarity. Eyes up, Guardian. (laughs) 
The plan is to attack a high-profile American target disguised as Russian troops, which should finally kick off the war that Gravik's been planning all this time. I remember that episode, that level of Call of Duty. <laughs> no Russian. That's a. Uh, it's a very. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, what that a, was that was wild thing. Did you ever play Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two? I've. I think I know what you're talking this about. This is an infamous. Just the airport thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you play. It's like a group of Russian terrorists, and they like shoot up an airport. And I don't think that ever gets made today, mm. ever. Although the no. most recent Call of Duty Modern Warfare game, the post credit scene ended with someone telling someone else, no Russian. So they, they're they talking about it. We have to go back. Huh. <laughs> it's the same flight. Oh, gosh, it's lost. <laughs> this time, you're one of the passengers, and you're not taking bullets i don't know <laughs> you're you're fighting back i won't take no russian for an answer <laughs> at a picturesque lake talos and gaia talk about what happened with talos apologizing to his daughter she says she doesn't need an apology all she needs is to know that talos has a plan he does have one but unfortunately Attack. it's not one she likes yeah his plan is we saved the world and i say can we have some amnesty please <laughs> We saved the world. <laughs> Talos believes that once they put down the scroll insurgency, they'll be able to use that as a bargaining chip to convince the president to give the scrolls an amnesty so they can continue to live on Earth. Gaia tells him he's delusional and leaves. That's because Gaia is correct. Yeah, he's an <laughs> idealist. I, I respect his position on this, but I have trouble imagining that any scroll threat, even one that is neutralized by other scrolls, is going to end with the president and the UN saying, it is okay if the shapeshifters stay among us. Yeah. I think Gaia has a lot of uh, reason to be upset here because this plan is stupid. Back at the Fury residence, Priscilla returns and finds Nick in the kitchen, having once again forgotten to put on his wedding ring. It's just like me for real. <laughs> he makes them tea and they sit down to talk. Uh, Fury confronts her about working with Gravik, telling her that all uh, that of all the things he's done, she was his greatest mistake, which is a really fucked up thing to say to your spouse. <laughs> I guess when you find out they're going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean. a whoopsie. <laughs> uh, he tells her how he ignored all his instincts when he married her and that even now, knowing she has been sent to kill him, if he had a chance to change his actions, he's not sure whether he would. They both put their guns on the table, and Fury asks Farah the story of how she became Priscilla. She reveals that Dr. Priscilla Davis was dying from a congenital heart defect. Farah visited her almost every day, but not entirely out of kindness. She was looking for someone who could slip past Fury's defenses, prompting him to remark that she was playing the long game even then. Whether that's true or not, one day when it became clear that the real Priscilla was about to die, Farah told her everything and asked to assume her life. A dying woman then made Vara make her three promises. First, bury her at sea. Second, to continue to be a daughter to her parents. And third, to never hurt Nick. They then recite late fragment again. And at the final line, they draw their guns and fire. I thought the scene was really good. Same. I really liked it. Oh, man. I thought it was very good. You said Mr. and Mrs. Smith before the podcast. Was that you who said it? It me. Peach did it. Uh, Very good. Uh, also, did you see uh, Donald Glover is going to be in a new series, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Oh, wow. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in a, They're doing a Mr. Oh. and Mrs. Smith series. And I think Donald I did Glover see and that. I don't know who's is he playing. playing both of them? <laughs> Bro, that'd be <laughs> sick. 
He could. He's that talented. Spoiler for the recommendation section, I started watching Community, so I'm just only thinking about Troy. Like him acting as Troy, and I kind of feel like Troy would play both parts. I don't know. Uh, Maya Erskine. Maybe Danny Pudi will be. Jane Smith. Oh, damn. (laughs) Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) You beat me to it. The teaser just came out a couple days ago, apparently. Damn. Not Danny Pudi. And neither Fury or Priscilla hits the other. Fury jokes that it doesn't know whether to ask for a divorce or to renew their vows. It's a tense, powerful scene that's as thrilling as the most action-packed moments Marvel has had so far. <laughs> now that she's betrayed Gravik, Fury warns Vara that they will come after her, but she assures him that she can take care of herself. Before he leaves, Vara asks Fury if he would have loved her if she had remained her true self. He has no real answer, only saying, guess we'll never know. Which I thought was really powerful. Yeah, uh, and I really enjoyed that line. My, I guess if I have one issue with this scene at all, it's that we only had two episodes of buildup of this relationship. I wish we known about Priscilla sooner. I don't know when we would have, because we never saw anything beyond Nick Fury, the Spy Master, in any of the movies. But it would have been. Even more powerful if there had been, you know, this weren't a new relationship to us. That being said, I enjoyed enough of the stuff that they that we did get in this series of them together that it still worked on me. So, like, I think there's clear chemistry between these two actors, and I think um, they do a real good job of playing a couple that has been together for a long time. Yeah, you know, you can. Like, the way that they're playing these characters, you can tell these characters have been together. They've been through a lot together. Um, and, yeah, no, I think it's really well done. I think this is probably the strongest part of the show, which is maybe why I think the show is not going to end well. Like, I've got that vibe that the show will not end well for me. It's because the strongest parts of the show so far are not the overarching plot. Not the it's not the invasion. stuff. Right, it's not the secret invasion. Yeah. It's more the interpersonal stuff happening with and, and Priscilla and Talos and stuff. Seemingly those are at an end now. Yeah. Yes. And so that <laughs> is, uh, it is unfortunate. Yeah. The one other meaningful relationship that he had died in the first episode. Yep. So I got to say though, I bet Samuel L. Jackson was really excited to actually be able to bring lots of different shades and colors to Nick Fury in this. He got to play, he's gotten to play a lot of other emotions that he's never gotten to do because Fury has always just been badass. It's been fun, but you know, we we you know, now we're seeing vulnerability, we're seeing how he cares about people, uh we're seeing how he relates to different people in different ways. It's it, I've really enjoyed it. In Rhodey's hotel, we find out that it's a female scroll who's been impersonating him. Scroll Rhodey, Scrody, Scrody finds Fury waiting for him with a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve bourbon. <laughs> they share a drink, and Fury tells Rhodey that there's a scroll spy close to the president, asking to have his job back. But Scrody, in turn, shows Fury a video of Gravik as Fury killing Maria Hill, blackmailing him. Rhodey then promises to make sure the video doesn't go at, get out, so long as Fury stops spreading his wild conspiracies. Of course, Fury has a whole other scheme playing out. We cut to Fury and Talos in the car with the fear with the reveal that Fury put a liquid tracker in the bourbon. That man just has trackers everywhere and on everything. He does. There's not a conversation he cannot listen to. And I I <laughs> I think I guess I guess I think it's kinda cool to have a liquid liquid tracker, but does does Scrody just need to pee? 
like I I don't really need to know the science behind it, I guess, but I don't know. The the little tiny bit of dialogue they had with it felt a, a little bit cheesy cuz all it was was like, "Ah, liquid tracker. Good idea." Yeah. Know <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was the whole thing. It's just, "Ah, liquid tracker." Like, okay. <laughs> By the way, that exists. Yeah. <laughs> Thought you should know that. They use the tracker to follow Rhodey to an airstrip where President Ritson has just landed for a bilateral summit with Russia. There is a moment of levity when the president asks Rhodey if he's drunk, telling an aide to get Rhodey a large coffee for the road. Once they're on the road, it doesn't take long before the convoy comes under attack. Should we talk about Rhodey now? Sure. How long do we think Rhodey's been a scroll? <laughs> yeah, that's right. my, uh, my my assumption i assume that his emmy nominated 30 seconds on falcon and the winter soldier it was the real roadie so he got replaced somewhere after oh falcon my winter god soldier. i forgot he got an emmy nomination for that right <laughs> he's done shit. so much more in this one <laughs> in this show like this one like if he got nominated like okay well i mean at least he had a role on this show um although a theory I, po- I posited earlier is that he actually got replaced between Iron Man and Iron Man 2 and the scroll just did a really bad job <laughs> of <laughs> copying Rhodey and Terrence Howard is like in a jar somewhere <laughs> being held out captive by the scrolls. That idea is so funny that I'm going to be real sad if it doesn't happen <laughs> when like, it doesn't happen if if we get to the <laughs> if we free all the people that are being like scroll impersonated and terrence howard isn't down there i'm gonna be so mad now i would legitimately be mad if roadie's been a scroll the whole time i because that's the stupid scroll stuff okay, i hate wait hang on hang on just a second i'm not looking at anything you me how much of this is basically just the plot of this, uh, the first season of Peacemaker? I haven't seen Peacemaker. Oh. Well, I'm sorry. Well, then I don't. I, I can't answer that either. Uh, my former roommate watched Peacemaker, and I. Can't believe you haven't watched it. And I stepped into the living room while I was while the opening credits were playing a few times because I heard them start, and I was like, "This is fun. I'm gonna go watch it." <laughs> Those opening credits are great. The show's yeah. good. Yeah, I've heard it was good. I just yeah. I, I mean, I could watch it now unless HBO also took that off of their no, own platform. There. I recommend it. It's not going to be my recommendation, but okay. I recommend you oh, watch it. Nope, Maker. you said it. <laughs> I'll have more than one recommendation. You've, you've activated your own trap card. My grandfather's deck has no <laughs> pathetic cards. <laughs> Gravik and his team fire rockets at the president's car, launching an all-out assault on the convoy while disguised as Russians. The president is knocked out inside his car, but luckily still alive. But Gravik pushes the offensive, massacring the president's security. Fury and Talos arrive, but by then, the battle is in full swing. During the course of the battle, Gravik reveals more of his super scroll powers, using Groot's ability to kill a man, while Fury... (laughs) (laughs) Using Groot... I think I read that wrong. It is just easy. Oh, you, you read it so right. To kill a man. That Groot's ability to kill a man. I am murder. While Fury and Talos desperately try to get to the president. <laughs> British troops arrive on the scene and help them get to the president's car with Talos Britta? using his super strength to break open the reinforced <laughs> glass window. Gravik notices and has Pagon shoot Talos but even as he's dying and quickly losing his human shape, Talos continues to bang on the glass, eventually shattering it so Fury can rescue the president. Hey, so the makeup that they do while 
Ben Mendelsohn is slowly turning back into his scroll form is really cool, right? I couldn't tell if it was makeup CGI or like a mix of both. Whatever they're doing there, it was cool. It, it, it did work very well. Yeah, to I like thought it was slowly really cool. watch him go back. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I've got a scroll ear over here." And also, I feel like that was probably really annoying for the filming of that scene. To like, all right, you're just Ben Mendelsohn right now. Punch the glass. All right, now we're gonna put an ear on you. Go punch <laughs> it again. Now we're gonna paint half of your face. Go punch it again. <laughs> <laughs> While Fury takes the president to his car, one of the soldiers picks up Talos. Fury draws a gun on the soldier and tells him to put him down. When the soldier doesn't comply, Fury shoots him. The soldier then transforms back to Gravik, stabbing Talos. Screaming, Fury tries to kill Gravik, but the scroll leader heals instantly thanks to his enhancements. The scrolls get away, and Fury has no choice but to escape, once again leaving behind the corpse of a loved one. Is the super violent thing in this episode, in your opinion, the fact that Gravik's cheek gets shot clean off? Yeah. yeah. It, it reminded me of Terminator 2. I haven't seen that. It takes place in Los Angeles. I, I do know that. <laughs> that was one of our trivia, trivia questions. baby. <laughs> it was where does Terminator take place? Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of similar. He has like a shotgun and he gets shot with it and leaves holes and then it just like closes up uh, like that. Gotcha. Except it's like metal. Metal. <laughs> what do you guys think of the episode I, I think the episode was really good but the more I think about the series as a whole I feel like I'm headed in a negative direction like I don't I don't necessarily love the ending I don't love Talos like another person getting stabbed or like dying at the end and like I said this beforehand but you don't you don't need death to create stakes in your show and in fact I think it kind of weakens the, like the fact that we just had a bait and switch death like an episode ago uh-huh. makes all the deaths feel not as important. And the fact that there's already been three dead, like like an episode ending with someone no, dying. No, four. Yeah, but like... Well, well, three that we care about. Yes, that's sorry. What, that's, that's what I'm trying <laughs> sorry, to get. Well, three times guy. the final shot has been someone dead well, on the ground. Well, this kind of makes me wonder. Are they planning on ep- ending all six of them with someone getting shot because... Oh, it, what is, is the last is one? Fury? Is Fury getting yeah, shot? Yeah, is Fury making crazy. it out of this series? He's yeah, b- he's, he's, he's in the Marvels coming this uh, fall uh, to movie theaters. Yeah, but w- chronologically, when does the Marvels happen? Do we know? I think I heard that it is set after this, and that that is why they had to get Secret Invasion out when they did. Okay, so it's going to be Scroll Fury in the Marvels. Scurry. Scurry. Well, we did that, and that was Talos. <laughs> I know. It's going to be Scroll Fury 2. It'll be Gaia. <laughs> you take on your father's job of pretending to be me. Honor us both. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I'm kind of with you, and I don't. Here's here's the thing for me. Maybe you feel the same way and didn't articulate this the same. Um, I don't know what they could do with two episodes left that I really care about. Yep. Like, uh, they keep killing people that I like before the finale. Um, but I don't know what, maybe the, all of the setup for the finale is in the next episode, but that's kind of weird to like Mm -hmm. make me care in episode five and then deliver in six, maybe deliver in six. I don't know. I, um, I don't care about this show as little as I did Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If that, (laughs) I don't know if that's high praise because I just 
ended up not caring for that show, but I'm guessing that episode five is the Gaia and Fury have to get to know each other episode, yeah. and then six is the let's wrap everything up episode. Um, I don't know. I let's I, bond I, over dead Talos. Yeah, episode? I I don't. I have to. I guess I have to wait and see what killing Talos accomplishes for the story here, because I feel like. There was more to do with him still. And, you know, killing him is, you know, I guess supposed to be shocking. And, you know, that's how life works. People die randomly sometimes. But that's not always how a good story works. Uh, so they better find a way to make this death meaningful beyond... It made Gaia sad, so now she's going to work with Nick Fury. But I'm afraid that's all we're going to get out of that. Well, right. I don't mm. think my espionage, you know, popcorn TV show that I'm watching is trying to teach me some sort of existential lesson about mortality and how people can die at any moment. Type. Yeah. Like, I don't think <laughs> that's what it's trying to do. Um, yeah, I think my problem, and I feel like I'm going to go back and maybe lower some ratings of the past episodes, is that I... I've been doing it right. I gave them higher episodes with the the thought that they would they would tie it all together. Like, oh, I really like these moments in these episodes. I don't know where we're going, but I like these moments, so I'm going to rate this episode at this point. And I like the way this episode is, but we've talked about this before. Secret Invasion is not episodic television. It is a long movie chopped up. It is as close as you can get to that since Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and so I think it needs to be judged wholly as one project. Aww. Whereas something like WandaVision, something like Loki, to an extent, because Loki also, like, while it was episodic, had a, a little bit of the movie, the, 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 the a chopped up movie problem. I think it was better than this. Definitely. This one has been like a mix. There have been a couple where it's like, okay, this episode had a through line through it. Mm -hmm. But. It does like feel like the episode it is. we just watched did not have a through line. Yeah, it was a collection. Like of here's everything that happened between the last episode and the next episode. Yes. Whereas you know two episodes ago, like for example, I I can't give you specifics right now because I'm on the spot. But like there was definitely a here's how this episode started because this happened. They have to do this because they happened to do this, and now it's wrapped up. And here's the cliffhanger. Like they actually did some episodes. This one def definitely felt like a table setting one or something yeah and then taylor's died which is a shame because i like the i do like the like overall what happened in this episode yeah it was a collection of good moments for sure right but i i don't at when i when i look back and i look back at everything that has happened in the show so far and i put them all next to each other i don't like the sum of it all um, and so I think that's where I'm, I'm sort of having this, this crisis where it's like, I like a lot of these moments. I think there are really interesting character moments happening, but the whole, the, 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 the show as a whole right now is not winning for me. I just feel like I, I feel like I'm, I, 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 I kind of feel vindicated or whatever. Are you selfish? I'm selfish and wrong. Vindicated is yeah. not the right word. I feel, uh, fill it in post. I feel word. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and edit that in later uh, that you're saying this because I've kind of been the if you want to call anyone a downer on this series so far I've kind of been the downer so far um, and I said in some of my earlier ratings 
I'm going to rate this kind of lowish now, and maybe I'll come back and increase my score later if the show turns out. And now I feel like I did it right. Yeah, I feel like I should have done that because right now I feel like I want to go back and lower a few of the scores because although I really liked a lot of the moments, I don't know if this show can be rated on these individual in, in such an individual basis. Well, you know, it's... I mean, I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. You could have five really good episodes of a show that just don't that work that individually you're like okay i enjoyed that 45 minutes of tv but then when you put it all together you're like uh but it just didn't work as a whole and i think you can like the individual pieces of the meal like like you can like each course and think that it made a not very good meal altogether. i would i would agree if most of these episodes stood on their own but I don't think that they do. Okay, and that's, that's where I, that's where I have the problem is that you like I think they'll we'll find out that they definitely don't stand on their own once we know the full. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that they they need it needs to be all viewed together. Like I I personally think that if we go back and watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier and you binge all the way through it, you'll have a much better experience than watching it episodically like we did. Yeah, but I can't bring myself to do that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll bite a bullet and, and, I'll, and I will more. definitely do it before the new Captain America movie. Comes sure. Out. Yeah, but will you watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do both. I can I can multitask. <laughs> Put it on in the background, you know? Heck It'll yeah. be the most I ever enjoyed the show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking in the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Sorry, I slurred my words there a little bit. Falcon in the Winter Penis. Uh, the winter Penis. I'm gonna let's do ratings. Yeah. Uh, does anybody want to go first with ratings? <laughs> no. All right, I'll go first. You shouldn't have let me go first. I'm gonna give it seven and a half scroties out of ten. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You uh, stole my word. I'm I'm gonna give it seven point five scroll poetry jams out of out of ten. Um, I'm gonna give that the scenes between Fury and Priscilla a ten out of ten. Yep. But uh, as a whole, the episode seven point five. Uh, man, now I I didn't know what my rating was gonna be before either. Yeah. But now I definitely don't know. Uh, well, I knew I wanted to give it a seven point five. So y'all are. Y'all have hooked me up to the scroll copy machine thingy. All right. You're reading my thoughts. Seven and a half, uh, I don't know, extremist face wounds out of 10. It's not very exciting. It's time for everyone's favorite recommendations. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Do you guys have a recommendation to help our listeners get through their week? I got another two. Please don't, please don't poop on my couch. <laughs> I'm gonna take a shit. <laughs> I know, I know you asked about recommendations, but I want you all to know but I got a number I'm gonna two. take a dookie right here, right now. Uh, <laughs> I started watching Community. I said that earlier. That was my spoiler. So far, I recommend it. I'm halfway through season two. It's been really fun. Um, if you want a show that definitely feels episodic, Community is is great for that because it is episodic. no i know but i mean like that the story arc style if you just want to be able to watch any any one of them yeah you can do that and it's it's cool i like i like all should i say all i like most of the characters Mm -hmm. 
Probably all, but I uh, f- I will settle for sure on most of the characters. Mm. Um, and even the characters you don't like can still be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Troy and Abed are the best. They make the show really, really extra great. So it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. If you if if you somehow haven't watched Community, I'm probably one of the only people that hasn't seen it. The other thing I recommend is we're gonna. You know what I decided I'm gonna do? I'm probably always gonna have at least one recommendation in this category, so I might have two for a while. Because I'm going back to my "fuck you," I'm gonna celebrate Halloween whenever I want rant. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna try to watch a different scary movie in between every podcast episode. All right, and so we're about to begin to get the notes for the scary movie, so we can do this next one. Wh- what? <laughs> yeah, the scary movie you're gonna talk about right now. We're gonna do another podcast episode, but just about the oh, scary shit. movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So the movie is called Grave Encounters. Last week I mentioned a, a movie um, that was kind of found footage was the style. This is another found footage movie, um, and it's it's kind of like a parody in a way of those like ghost hunting shows. I don't remember if the the name of the show was just Ghost Hunters, but do you guys remember that show that was on like I don't know Discovery some ch- some channel in the Discovery ish realm? The guy that had the leather jacket and would go into houses and he'd like try to intimidate the ghost. Hey demons, it's your boy. Yeah, basically, yeah. this guy would go in and he'd be like, you think it's cool to pull on girl's hair, bro? Why don't you fight me instead? He has like an infamous moment where he throws a chair at what he thinks is a ghost. <laughs> you, have you guys seen this? No. I, okay. know, I know who you're talking about. I okay. haven't seen that particular. Yeah, he's like this tough dude. He's leather jacket, Ed Hardy pants. You think haunting is cool? Yeah, and, and they go in and they... You know, they do ghost stuff. They film in ghost stuff, trying to find ghost orbs and shit behind. Um, well, yes, this Jeff. this <laughs> this movie is, is basically like, what if that crew all violently died because they found an actual haunted place? So it's really cool because you're you're seeing, like, the behind the scenes of them, like, filming it. You find out they're all, like, like a couple of them are kind of phonies. Like, the guy's an actual asshole. He's not, like a fake asshole for the ghosts. They hire like a psychic to come into the, uh, the it's an asylum or a, a mental institution, whatever they hire an actor to play a psychic. So he like pretend, Oh, the feelings in the room are like someone died here. And he only knows that stuff because earlier in the day they like interviewed a dude that to- literally told them somebody died in that room and exactly how they died. So anyway, they're in there, nothing much happens, and then eventually they get picked off as you do in, as they do in a horror movie. And it's it's actually really scary. Um I is now too maybe I should reevaluate what I think about found footage movies because until these last two, none of the ones I've seen have really affected me. They've all felt like well, I guess except paranormal activity, that's pretty scary. Mm. The first one. But other than other than that, before that, I was like, these aren't really doing anything for me. But Hell House LLC and Grave Encounters both like made me take a dookie on your couch. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen Blair Witch Project? Uh yes. It didn't do anything for me. I think its anniversary was like yesterday or today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I, you know it's from students of Valencia College here in Orlando, Florida? That's pretty cool. Hey. You know the director of uh, the Blair Witch Project is Eduardo Sanchez? That's I did pretty know cool. That. I did know that because I remember seeing that and going, wait, what? Yeah, that <laughs> one didn't really do too much for me. I don't know why it wasn't that scary. Not quite horror, but have you seen Cloverfield? 
Uh, I saw some of it and I got bored. Okay, well, <laughs> I can't watch that stuff. It makes me sick. Mm. Uh, oh, I guess yeah, because there's a lot of shaky cam. Yeah. yeah, the found footage has that. A lot of shaky cam, but I do overall recommend Grave Encounters. There are some moments that are very frightening. So I don't know if you're if you kind of like scary, maybe watch it in the day. If you really like scary, you've probably already seen it. But you can watch it for free with ads, which is a fucking hilarious thing to guys it is hilarious to watch a horror movie with ads like on a free streaming service because you'll be right in the middle of some scary thing and then a commercial for like jimmy dean breakfast sausages will come on <laughs> like wow. a dude's about to get murdered by a ghost and suddenly you know what makes whopper, me <laughs> whopper 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 <laughs> junior double triple whopper anyway it's uh free with ads on youtube if you want to watch grave encounters you just reminded me of something, so I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit. Oh. Um, you were talking about ghost hunting shows. I'm just going to recommend one specific YouTube video um, called The Worst Ghost Hunting Show of All Time. It is a uh, video by Jenny Nicholson, and she talks about this uh, ghost hunting show. I don't even remember what it's called. I don't want to tell you too much about it. It looks like a terrible show, and it is very, very, very funny the way she, like, the reveals of what the show was like. Okay, the very basic premise of the show is that so the these people decided ghost hunting shows are popular, home improvement shows are popular. What if we put that together? <laughs> so, <laughs> they, so these people will be like, "I think my house is haunted," and the first thing they do is they send this contractor in, and he goes through and he's like, "Okay, well that's because this door is a little bit too big and it's kind of off," and he goes through and. Uh, for like every scary thing they've ever reported, he finds a practical explanation for it and tells them how to fix it. Then they send in a psychic and she's like, oh, this is definitely because of a ghost. You know, this person died in this room. And when and at the end, the uh, people in the house are always like, I think the psychic was right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Huh. Um, other recommendation, I just want to revisit a previous recommendation really quickly. I finished the main storyline of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom this week. After 265 hours with the game, I enjoyed every <laughs> second of it. <laughs> I am not done because I am still going back and finishing a few minor side things. Um, but it has what might be my favorite ending of any Zelda game. Um, do they do it? Um well, no. Uh, uh, you thought no. about it. It's <laughs> not even. Yeah. There, there are things in the game that, if you read it a certain way, imply that maybe. Um, uh. And boy, are the people that think Link should have dated the fish girl uh, from the first game are they upset? Uh, don't Mifa. <laughs> yeah, I love Mifa, but uh, there seems to be an implication that perhaps Link and Zelda have feelings for each other in this. Mifa's dead, okay? <gasps> oh my god. I know, right? It's only been, what, 25 years? Yeah. Well, there's only been like one other game where it's been even kind of intimated that that Link and that Zelda might. But anyway, the point is the game is is incredible, um, especially if you are like a longtime fan of the series. They do a lot of really cool stuff with the music in like the last uh, you know, sequence of the game that is just great and uh i've been thinking about it a lot since i finished it and uh they do it yeah and um my final recommendation 
I'm not going to go on too long, but I want to bring it back to the strikes because that's all I think about lately. <laughs> yeah, he's been bowling a lot. Perfect game, baby. <laughs> I wish. There are, you know, a lot of people wondering, like, what am I supposed to do to support the writers and support the actors? You know, if, you know, if that's something that you think about. And right now, like we said earlier, they're not asking anyone to boycott the streamers yet or anything like that. Um, but the things that they do need, uh, a lot of them, like I said, you know, a lot of them working writers, working actors, they're not rich and now they're, they don't have any income. So they need food. And there are some groups where you, if you are so inclined you have a little bit of extra change, uh, there are some, uh, groups that have been put together to assist people, whether it's bringing food out to the picket lines, food and water, uh, helping people make their rent payments on time. Uh, so if you want to see a collection of different organizations that are doing it, um, there's like the Entertainment Community Fund. There's um, the Snack List, which is a uh, play on the Blacklist, which is fun. Uh, groceries for writers. Um, if you go to the Twitter page, uh, Discussing Film, it's just at Discussing Film, one word. Uh, their pin tweet has a, li- has a link to... Um, all these different organizations you could take a look if you were so inclined, if there's something you want to do tangibly to kind of show some solidarity and support to the, uh, to the workers out there, uh, that is something you can do. And, uh, I'm sure if UPS goes on strike, there will be other, <laughs> opportunities to help them as well. Also guillotine rich people. Yeah. <laughs> so I Follow have, two up. Re- so I have two <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> Uh, one is going to be a recommendation I think I've recommended before, but I don't remember. So I'm going to recommend it again because I'm doing a rewatch because a new season just dropped. There is a show on Max called Warrior. Um, it is a show that was on Cinemax and that Cinemax is no more. Um, and it was bought, the show and all its catalogs were, like I think the whole catalog from Cinemax was bought by HBO Max. I don't know if Cinemax is not around or it's their streaming service that's not around. Either hmm. way, it was bought by HBO Max and it now lives over there and they've just started a new season. And let me give you a brief description of what Warrior is. It's a very brief description. Spaghetti Western Kung Fu show created from the writings of Bruce Lee. Hmm. Wow. It is... So good. It is exactly what I just said. It is a it's it's like spaghetti western, kung fu, lots of kung fu. Um, if you've ever seen Peaky Blinders, it gives me a little bit of vibes of Peaky Blinders. There's a lot of like gangs and like gang warfare and like warfare with the police. There's a lot of like racial tension between like it talks a lot about like the Irish people that were there, Irish people that fought in the Civil War, mm. and then how they started bringing over like Chinese people started coming over. Um, and then there's like a war for like jobs and things like that and how the Irish felt like they gave their blood to be here. But then the Chinese are like, what are we supposed to like? We're here for like opportunity, you know, not unlike yeah, <laughs> our lives today. Uh, highly recommend it. It's a very, very good show. If that brief description like piques your interest in any way, highly suggest you go watch it because it's very good. Do they like say the name of the show in the show over and over? Because I've never seen Peaky Blinders, but I do know that I have some friends that just over and over it's like Dodo Birds Peaky say that all Peaky fucking Blinders. Peaky like they just do that all blinders. the time. And I think that's what I think the show's about at no, this point is so them just st- staring at each that, other yelling. That's the name of the gang or the Peaky Blinders. Oh, we're the and, Peaky, Peaky fucking Blinders. No, 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 no. But like it's when other people see them. Like it's the Peaky. Fu- or, no, they do actually. 
we're the Peaky Fucking Blinders. They do say that okay. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, that's the name of the gang, which is why they say it all the that over, makes over and over more again. Sense. Warrior does not say the word warrior. I think okay. ever. Warrior, <laughs> come out to play. <laughs> Uh, and weirdly tangentially related. Ooh, we love tangents. I'm going to recommend something that you guys thought I was going to recommend weeks ago, and I'm here to finally recommend it. Street Fighter Six. He did it. He did it. Uh, Who are you playing as? Street Fighter Six. I'm playing as Ken. Ah. Oh, sad Ken. Sad Ken, yes. Homeless Ken. Homeless Ken. (laughs) Uh, Street Fighter Six is the most complete the most accessible and the widest breadth of content Street Fighter has ever had. Um, it is. It has every mode you could think of. It does have a, a very large single-player mode where it does a really good job of sort of teaching you the game as you play through. It's like a big sort of open-world RPG type thing where you go around to all the different characters and, like, your character can learn different fighting styles. And then throughout this world, you can, like, fight anyone and you, like, (laughs) level up and you do all these things. Can you show us your character when we're done recording? My character doesn't look stupid. Oh, okay. But I can, but he doesn't look stupid. Okay. Uh, It has a character creator that is incredibly uh, robust. Think, like, Souls-like robustness uh, it is a very very robust character i would never creator. get out of the character creation um, and so it's got that section over there as far as uh, the other modes it has a training mode it has maybe the most expense expansive training mode i've ever seen the net code is incredible it's some of the best net code of any fighting game ever so if you're thinking about playing it online it's a wonderful wonderful way to play and it also introduces new control schemes for the first time in street fighter um there's one that's basically just like if you and your buddies want to like button mash and press the same button over and over again uh, you have it and there's classic which is your classic six button layout with special moves and everything. There's now also a control scheme called Modern, which is a way to get people to play fighting games when they're not necessarily as comfortable doing all of the special inputs. Uh, It has it so that your buttons are light, medium, heavy, and then special at the top, and then each direction does a different move. So like... It's like Smash Brothers controls. It is basically Smash Brothers controls. I can play that. Um... (laughs) And so there are slight, like, not hindrances, but there's, like, slight negatives to playing in modern. Yeah. Like, disadvantages. You got to balance it somehow, yeah. So there are a couple moves missing for every character in modern. I think there is a flat, like, 15 to 20% damage reduction. That's um, pretty big. Yeah, but to be able to, without doing anything like DP, a DP is a dragon punch, so sure you can... Yeah, yeah. To be able to do that without having to do the input on command like that is significantly more valuable. People in Japan, professionals, are switching over to modern controls Hmm. because Mm. of how much easier it is to do things on command. That makes me want to play a charge character because charge characters, I think the concept is cool, but I have always been annoyed whenever I've tried to play as one. Which is so interesting because charge characters were introduced as an easier alternative to doing special inputs. Yeah, so they were, when charge huh. characters were made, they were like, hey, what if somebody can't do the special inputs? What if they're not, like, it's not as easy to do that? Well, we'll input charge characters, and it's a, it's an easy, it's a quote-unquote easier version. And you'd think, too, that because most of the time when you're charging, you're actually blocking at the same time, yeah. that I, I would find it easier. I don't know, something about it, I just, the timing of, okay, stop blocking and do the special mm-hmm. move, 
I don't know. I find the act the charging not that bad. I find it hard doing charge moves in the middle of a combo. Yes. Because at one point, are you ignoring what's happening with your left hand and holding holding down, it or holding back to then charge enough so that the special move comes out in time. And how long do you charge before? You can get the move off successfully, yep. or did you just waste a bunch of time? Well, not a bunch of time, but just slightly not enough time charging to then not do the yeah. special move in the first place. So um, all that to say, it's incredibly robust. There is a thing called the Fighting Grounds, or the Battle Hub is what it's called. And it's like you create like an avatar, a separate avatar than the one, although you can make them look the same. It's a separate avatar to the one that's in the, the single-player mode, and it is like a big like arena, and then there are arcade cabinets everywhere, and you can like challenge people. And then off to the side, there is a rotating selection of classic Capcom games that are rotated out, and then you can play against people on those as well. So there's like <laughs> things like Puzzle Fighter, and then like side scrollers. Like, um, what's the one with um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Hager. Uh, oh, um, uh, uh, Fatal Fury. F- Fatal Fury. Fatal Fury was there a couple weeks ago, and they sort of rotate out old Capcom games and old sort of old games in there. I'm sure hmm. Dark Stalkers will be in there, things like that. I'm sure you'll see Marvel vs. Capcom in there. And so that's in there hmm. as well. I think it's a really, really successful game. I think if you've ever wanted to play Street Fighter, this is a wonderful, wonderful way to ease into it without it being so intimidating. I've been on the record of saying that Mortal Kombat for a long time has sort of provided the best on-ramp for players. I got Peach's Mortal Kombat 11, and maybe you can speak to this, but it provides enough stuff for you to do on your own. Oh, yeah. When you do finally start playing against people, to me, at least, it's not as intimidating, but also, you don't ever actually have to play against anyone. You could just... There's enough content in there for you to play 60, 70 hours and never play another person. I I spent a long time just doing the regular... Whatever the regular single play, uh, towers or whatever towers yeah i just doing towers so that i could go back to the crypt and unlock stuff in the crypt um so yeah i did i liked mortal kombat 11 a lot so all this to say oh full cross play as well which is incredible mm. uh, all this to say if you have ever thought about getting a street fighter game this is this would be the one that i would recommend when you say uh you didn't say this full on earlier but mm-hmm. is this like the biggest cast of character is is this like mk 11 where basically everyone that is cool enough to have ever been popular in street fighter is in the game no no okay. i'd say there i think there's like 18 characters oh okay uh, so it's like a pretty standard roster there are returning characters yeah i think every character from street fighter 2 is in it so if it's a character from street Dalsim? fighter 2 dalsim is in it oh Dalsim shit street fighter 5 yeah so every character oh, from I street fighter 2 is in yeah. it so ken ryu dalsim Blanca, uh, Blanca, Blanca, no Honda, Zangief. <laughs> Zangief, and who's the last one? There's eight, right? You say Chun Li. Chun Li and Chun Li's uh, in it. Cammy, no. Cammy. All right, so then we're at eight. Yeah, Bison. Bison is not in Street Fighter Two. Okay. Oh, right. He's just a boss in that, right? He's just a boss in that. Okay. Although he's in, I think he's in Street Fighter Alpha series. Oh yeah. Um, was he in like one of the like Super Chubo Champion editions of Street Fighter Two? I, I mean, there are like eight versions of Street right. Fighter Two. So when it's... they do the other versions, they yeah. add on like T Hawk and like all the other ones. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, let me look up. I played uh, I played Akuma in Street Fighter Three. Uh, he is one of the 
Um, I feel like he's an always street fighter. Like he'll be in every street fighter okay, forever. I think he's. I thought I heard he's not in this one. Honda Blanca Guile, Chun Li, Zangief, Dalsim. Is this uh, Street Fighter Two or Six? We're talking about. This is Street Fighter Two. Okay. The street. Okay, so the original version of Street Fighter Two featured a roster of eight playable characters: Ryu, Ken, Honda Blanca, Guile, Chun Li, Zangief, and Dalsim. All of them are in the game. Okay, cool. The other ones that are in here were the the the, the like antagonists in that game, which are Balrog, Vega, Sagat, and Bison, who eventually became playable characters. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. weren't in that original base roster, and I don't think any of them, none of them, are in there right now. But I know Akuma is one of the next ones that's coming. Because he's in every game because he's, like, one of the most popular characters, so they literally can't have him. Which is a really interesting thing fighting games do, where the most popular characters are a lot of the times not in the base roster, so they can sell them as DLC. It's shitty, but it makes sense. Yeah. 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 You gotta... People... Gotta pay my, assu- my assumption is people want to play Akuma because it's Ryu on steroids. Like, I can beat you as kind of like Ryu... And as long as I don't get hit, I beat you really fast. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a little glass cannon. Yeah. A little glass canyon. I, that's why I'm playing Ken right now, because Ken is like Ryu if Ryu was meant to be played. Like, Ryu is like a, a like a jack-of-all-trades character, but he's very defensive. He's a defensive-minded character. Yeah. Whereas Ken is the opposite. He is the aggressive Shoto. He is yeah. like, he's got the Shoryuken, he's got the, the Hadouken, but he is the aggressive. He wants to get in there. He wants, And that's like... So I like to play a lot of these games. He also is mix-up heavy, and if you've played my jacks in MK11, you know I love my mix-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have. <laughs> I've been uh, baseballed into the stratosphere <laughs> several times. <laughs> Cabal's head. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Acquired, an MCU retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash Assembly Required. Join our Patreon-exclusive Discord where we're chatting all things Marvel and whatever else you want to chat with us about. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, you can do so. AssemblyRequiredCast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter for as long as it'll be around at AssemblyCast. Follow some of us individually at ABCDWarda1 for myself, Hillcode 3 for Robbie, and Twitch.tv slash Peaches. One day. One day. <laughs> that's going to do it for uh, this episode. Don't forget next week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. This is really important. Next week, we'll, there will not be an episode. Uh, we are going to be out of town. Literally all three of us. All of us, yeah. We are going away to go be men out in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, so we will not be here. <laughs> We're going to just be in a tree <laughs> for the weekend. Uh, but we will be back the following week with a double episode covering the fifth episode as well as the finale. That's it for this episode of Assembly Required. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bobbly, bobbly. Scrubble.
Was it doing the... Oh, uh, yeah. I can hear you now. Oh, that's better. Yeah. Was it doing yeah. the cha-cha slide in there? Slide to the left. Turn around. S- stay there until Chris fixes you. Everybody clap your hands. <laughs> it sounds like you're just kissing the mic over and over again. I was. Yeah. <laughs> You saw me. It's about to get funky, 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 funky. You saw me. You saw what I'm doing over here. Me and this mic go way back. ASMR, Peach's Kisses, your ears. <laughs> Bonus episode? Yeah, there we go. Just... That's, that's what we could put out instead of episode. <laughs> Secret Evasion right. episode five. Silence. <laughs>